from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Welcome to the GoodAtheist.net podcast. My name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Krissa Hendricks. And you know, I just realized this when I said this out loud. I'm kind of tired of saying the .net. I don't like it anymore. I want to be able to say .com. Okay, well then you'll have to buy the .com. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that. And uh, it's really enticing to try to, to do it. Somebody else owns .com, but they've been forwarding uh, all the traffic over to me, which is nice. But it kind of makes you wonder why you keeping it, bro. Why why you got to keep it? And, of course, it's a great domain. Why wouldn't anybody want to keep it? But I want it. I want to stop saying .net because .net <laughs> sounds lame. I just thought about that now. If I said .com, I'd be like, yes, I have a .com, but could deal with it. I am not a .com right now. I'm a .net. Where is this coming from? Where is I don't know. Sudden... It just popped into my head when I said it. I hate my .net. I don't, I don't hate it. I have a kind of... Oh, I don't know, uh, uh, emotional connection, attachment with the .NET. But I want to look at the days where I was .NET fondly in the past. <laughs> As in, this happened before. It's not like this no more. <laughs> I want to be in that place. So I'm going to see, I'm going to try to contact the person who owns the .com. I'm going to try to convince them to sell it to me to a re- for a reasonable price. No guarantees, though, but I want to move to .com because I think it'd just be cooler. And maybe, just maybe, I might have like one of those little songs, thegoodatheist.com, you know, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think this is coming from somewhere. What do you mean it's coming from somewhere? I just, don't know. It's trying means... to switch things up, that's what. You yeah. never switch things up. Oh, well, that's not true. I mean, uh, how many months has it been since I totally revamped the site, right? Sometimes I do things. Things that I promise. I know it's not very often. <laughs> things that I promise a few years later. <laughs> Sometime in the next couple of years, I will buy the dot-com, guys. At about the same rate that I eventually did some alterations to the site. Right, okay. exactly. So you heard it here now. So everybody can just do one of those. Maybe if you're very enterprising, you can have a bet with your friends that also listen to the show. And you can say, like, All right, I bet you it's going to take them six months. <laughs> Somebody else will be like, it's going to take four. Yeah, you start start your bidding now. <laughs> and uh, and we'll share we'll share the profit. Or here's here's something you could do. Somebody else could go buy it, you know, because you take forever to do anything. So somebody else, while you're picking your nose, could go buy it and then blackmail you for free episodes for the rest of their life or something. Well, they would probably get that free membership forever if they bought the dot com. And you know, speaking of someone doing me favors, <laughs> it's my birthday coming up soon. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, it's in it's in eleven days, and I'm sure that you have been told uh, on a daily basis what it is. Most people who are around me uh, at the time of my or near the time of my birth are always aware of when it is. I'd like to make sure that it's a well known fact when my birthday is. <laughs> it's like, oh, did you know it's National Jacob Day today? It's, That's right. It's going to be National Jacob Day in a week, so uh, you better have your presents and your shit together because we're having a party, man. It's fucking Jake, miss. Thanksgiving, Jake. Yeah, that's what you're about to experience. <laughs> We're going to do a beach party. It'll be your first beach party birthday. Well, yeah, normally if you wanted to do a beach party on my birthday, you uh, you did it in the frozen tundra. <laughs> <laughs> but this year, temperate weather, yay. So I'm going to celebrate that. 
Speaking of celebrations, before we start the show, there's something else that I think that most people get a kick, get a kick out of. Do you remember how I said that I would try to celebrate unofficially the 200th episode at some point? Because I just, I guess I have a attachment to whole numbers. For the sake of conversation, yes. Okay. <laughs> You're good. You're good at improv. Yes. <laughs> well, Always it turns yes. out that the bonus show that I made free for free me- for uh, members who signed up, like even for the freebie membership, that was the Scientology episode, the last bonus show we just made. That bonus show was the 200th episode in total. So we've recorded over 200 episodes now. This will be the 201st episode. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about this because there are some people out there that have listened to every single show. Not everybody, but some pretty hardcore uh, members, except for, of course, some of the shows that I'm missing that I haven't yet fixed. Like, I think episode four is down currently. (laughs) You'll you'll always have one person who goes through (laughs) all the old shows because they just discovered it and they're like – they remind you which shows don't work. You're Mm -hmm. like, show number six doesn't work and show number four doesn't work. And I'm like, yeah, I know, uh, but I want to edit – the, the 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 copywritten music at the beginning because I have to do this anyways. I'll fix it later. You don't want to listen to those episodes. They're bad. I want to listen to those episodes and then make fun of you. Oh, it's so horrible. Anyways, I calculated that the average amount of time, if you've listened to almost every single episode and you're like a crazy hardcore fan and you're a member and that kind of stuff, you have listened to six and a half days straight of me talking. I want you to think about that for a, for a minute. I just took a week of your life, and you, that's that's what all you were listening to me for a whole week of your life. So that's that's something to consider. <laughs> Be afraid. Be that's afraid. Terrified. Yeah. And and you know what? There are there are some members, but they're very few that have also listened to all the episodes that I've recorded with Ryan on our other podcast for Fight Linker, and then a few people who have listened to the Winner Is Me uh, episodes, which are now nine of. Then that's probably close to two weeks, or maybe even and a little did, bit more. You co-hosted my show as well. I co-hosted your show. Well, I, I did one show. You did one show. Me. Yeah. I, I'm just not so. going to add it because, like, how long was the show? Like 40 minutes. You add 40 minutes on like two weeks already. Well, it's not be a big deal. Yeah. I have true. recorded a lot of podcasts. I was going to say, yeah, you've you've recorded a lot of podcasts. There is a lot of your vo- voice out there. I think somebody could splice it together at this point and make you say whatever you wanted because you have had the entire. Range of the English language basically recorded in your voice at this point. See, now you're giving people ideas. Do it. You're a scary co-host. Do it. <laughs> On today's show, we're going to be talking about whether or not we should be um, intolerant of pseudoscience. We're going to have a little discussion about that. We're also going to talk about South Dakota's scary new justifiable homicide law that they're trying to put through. And also some of the more hilarious things they do to people trying to get abortions there. And lastly, we're going to talk about a uh, American representative that uh, feels as though the earth is uh, some kind of magic dispenser that's always going to give us uh, <laughs> goods. And uh, because of the, his imaginable, uh, imaginary friend of the sky. But first, let's talk about let's talk about pseudoscience in general. Now, um, if you're not familiar with it for some weird reason, you know, you're just new to the show. What is pseudoscience? Well. If you want to understand, um, actually, you have a you have a working definition of pseudoscience, don't you? Uh, kind of. I've got the Wikipedia definition. Okay, well, let's re- read to me the Wikipedia definition, and okay. we'll see if it's so this is just the basically the overview section. Uh, well, standards. Oh man, I'm so bad at, at no, reading. Just, just give the gist. Don't read it out loud. Okay. The gist. So basically, what it says is that um, even though you know science has different 
different types of science use different techniques to prove things. There's a basic understanding in the scientific community that in order for something to be a science, it needs to be uh, reproducible and uh, verifiable right. by other people so that, you know... And falsifiable. And falsifiable. Right. So there should be, there's like a system to figure out if something is scientific. Now, the pseudosciences are science, quote unquote, sciences are types of things. These are beliefs. Beliefs, we'll say. Yeah, that are, that have some kind of, you know, leaning towards pretending that they're scientific. Maybe they're medically oriented or something. That refuse to go along with this because they know that they will not be up to snuff. Right? So things like homeopathy or ufology, these are technically pseudosciences because, you know, they don't follow the whole scientific process. Well, I think that the other thing about pseudoscience is what you'll notice is that they're, I, I mentioned their systems of belief, and more particularly, their systems of belief that try to utilize some element of science. Uh, to some degree, and, and you'll you'll see this all the time. Where let's say let's say I, I use the best example I can think of, which is the secret, right? Where the the secret says that if you wish for things hard enough in the universe, it'll give you shit. Now they try to use a much more complicated, almost science term called the law of attraction. So it sounds scientific. You're just like, well, this is a law. And the law must be scientific, right? Well, no, it turns out that anybody can just use the language of science. So oftentimes the pseudoscience just uses the language, but it doesn't have it doesn't have very much in common. With that said, there are certain types of pseudosciences that originally uh, or, or that morphed into sciences, like alchemy uh, sort of merged into our modern understanding of, of, of chemistry. And uh, astrology became astronomy. In mm-hmm. fact, the last known astronomer-astrologer was Johannes Kepler. He's the one that came up with the laws of planetary motion. Well, he, was a, he, he believed in astrology, but he had to sort of like put that aside uh, because it didn't really coincide with the findings. So he, he knew that the science didn't tell him what he wanted to hear, but he still chose to believe the science because, well, are you going to believe the work that took you, took you 14 years of meticulously fucking analyzing uh, planetary motions and just decide, no, I'm just going to believe that Jupiter has an influence on my mood. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is what a pseudoscience is. What is going on with pseudosciences that you wanted to bring it up? Well, there was, a, um, there was an article that I read. Uh, it was essentially written by a guy by the name of John Beddington. He's the chief science advisor for the UK government. And what he was trying to say was that essentially it's time for us to be intolerant of pseudoscience. He says we are grossly intolerant and properly so of racism, of, uh, you know, sort of in, in, of intolerance or, or bigotry. Um, and we need to do the same thing with pseudoscience, he argues, because even though... I suppose a lot of us probably think, well, it's innocuous and it's just it's comforting for some people. There's nothing really wrong with it. I think it's time for us to, or this is what he says, it's time for us to really get over this idea that uh, pseudosciences are much more dangerous than you can possibly imagine. And the problem is, is that they undermine our ability to address serious problems. And I think that the best example of that, let's say, would be uh, anti-vaccination. This is a pseudoscience, right? They try to create a correlation between, say, uh, you know, vaccinations and autism, even though the best studies done, in fact, one of them I, th- I believe was done in Canada, 
actually, um, found, <laughs> found that there was really no link. But people still choose to believe that, and, and the influence of that belief has been um, kids have been getting sick of previously eradicated diseases. Rubella is back in, uh, in parts of the U.K., and you're like, what? Like, when's the last time anybody had the measles? Well, uh, the 1980s. In fact, you know what's interesting? You know who Roald Dahl is? No. He wrote James and the Giant Peach. Oh, yeah. Okay, Roald Dahl's daughter died from, uh, I believe it was the measles. And he was a huge campaigner against anti-vaccination. That was in the 1980s. And then all of a sudden, you know, we forget about it, but some douchebag publishes an article in The Lancet, uh, Andrew Wakefield, that's the guy, basically creates this whole... Uh, fear-mongering, and you know how the media sort of like picked up on it. They just decided, well, this is a good headline, so we're just going to say. And then purveyors of nonsense like Jenny McCarthy and uh, other celebrity idiots are jump on this bandwagon, and the next thing you know, kids are getting sick and even dying. And this is all because we are tolerating this kind of nonsense. I mean, when they are allowed to have fucking soapboxes, where they're given shows, where they're given airtime, and where the media treats it like any other subject that they treat, where you're like, well, we want a fair and balanced approach. So when we talk about uh, pseudoscience, we'll have an astrologer and we'll have an astronomer. This is a fair and balanced view. I'm like, what the fuck does this astrologer know about anything? It's, it's demonstrably false, whatever the fuck he's saying. It's wrong. It's false. But by allowing two people to talk, you're giving them sort of an equal platform. Well, they, they, uh, one of them could be more correct than the other. One is so wrong, so ludicrously, ludicrously wrong that they can't even get – they make no predictions. What they, what they do is they function on stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the only prediction they have – I, don't, I mentioned this before on one show. The only corollary that they can find between people's astrolog uh, astrological sign and personality were, in, were, were, were people who were strong believers. Only then did those things correlate. And then you kind of wonder, what influence does astrology have on people? Where they suddenly change their personality to match the fucking astrological sign that they belong to? No, that's totally not what's happening. It's, it's more of that whole cold reading effect where you just say things that are generic enough that people will think that it, it's about them because people like to hear about themselves. The The reason why stuff like astrology and cold reading work so well is because as individuals, we want to believe that we're special and part of something grander and things like those weird pseudosciences give us an opportunity to say, hey, that's true, yay, and we're willing to compromise on the details in order to get that feeling that we want. Well, let me ask you this question uh, because – I get asked this question even beyond pseudoscience where people say like, oh, you're really intolerant. Like, um, let's, use, let's use one example where Christians are saying that uh, – are complaining because many of them are getting fired for holding uh, anti-homosexual views. And they're, they're saying, oh, society is no longer tolerating my beliefs and so on and so forth, right? So the word tolerate is kind of a weird word, right? How do we define what is ex what is acceptable to be intolerant of? And what we need to tolerate. Where do we make that distinction? Like if I'm talking to someone, right, who has pseudoscientific belief or even uh, religious beliefs that I consider to be, uh, you know, dangerous, where do I draw that line? You know, at what point can I sort of like take their criticism of saying being you're you are intolerant, sir, and take it with pride rather than. 
feel ashamed about it, feel ashamed about my intolerance. So it's kind of a fine line. Like imagine, I imagine, I think we had this argument before. I mean, you're at a party and somebody says something that's really racist, right, in front of everybody else. And you can tell that people are uncomfortable. What do you do? Do you act in an intolerable fashion telling that person right then and there in front of everybody else that not only are they wrong, not only are they, they embarrass themselves, but that they should apologize and they should definitely change their way of thinking? Would that be a fair thing to do? Or is it more fair to take them over to the side, tell them what the views are, make sure that nobody else sees his embarrassment because in the hopes that by avoiding that situation, you won't, you won't harden their attitudes toward what you're trying to say. Well, it sounds like this article is actually trying to bring out the contrast between those two different situations. Because in our society, it's okay for you to pick on the guy who's being racist because it's okay to be intolerant of that. I think what this article is more trying to get at is that it's more uncomfortable to be intolerant of pseudoscience. You feel like you're attacking somebody's sense of well-being in a way, because a lot of the times these are related to, uh, you know, like homeopathy or, you know, whatever spiritual feel-good, touchy-feely kind of stuff that yeah. is important to people. And, and you know, it's in this precious area where we're really uncomfortable talking about it and calling them on their shit. But at the same time, it's crazy bullshit that makes, you know, those of us who are not non-believers tend to not respect these people. And that's probably where the biggest problem is coming from. There was this great, great quote I heard that I've always carried with me when I was back in art school, where they were talking about how we argue with the people who we respect. And if you think about that, that's a really important idea, where if you say something that I don't believe at all and I think you're crazy, then... I'll have a debate with you and try and convince you or I'll, I'll, you know, value your opinion enough to have a conversation about it. But when somebody comes up to you and as a staunch non-believer like us and says something, something completely ridiculous, you know, I just, I just breathe my wishes into the universe and, and it will fulfill all my desires and whatever pseudo bullshit stuff that they believe in. That's where the conversation ends for me because I suddenly don't respect them. So I think that's problem the problem we're coming from with this whole tolerant intolerant thing. Because you can still respect somebody who's being racist and just not respect what they're doing. But when somebody comes out and they're all about the pseudoscience and we're non-believers, it's deeper than that. You tend to not respect them. It, it tends to go into this weird area of, of oh, you're stupid. And, and when that happens... You don't want to call them on their shit because you, uh, A, don't care, and two, and B, you just want to get the hell away from that person. No, I like A and two. A and two. <laughs> we're drinking beer while we're doing why, this show. Why do we need to follow some kind of fucking bullshit convention? Yeah. A, two, and then you can just Done. move towards no pie problem. symbol. <laughs> you know, that's almost, that's three and a little bit of Happy something. Face no, I like, I like one. pie for number three because it's, <laughs> it's the irrational three. It's like, three that won't be tied down, bitch. It's like, I'm all over the place. You try to calculate the millionth digit of me, you're going to be, like, doing this all day. And we're just getting started. We're just getting started. I'm going to be very careful not to mess up on anything I say for the rest of the evening. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. No one ever calls me on the crazy things that I say. Uh, well, you, when you were saying that we argue with people that uh, we respect, um, I will tell you that there is... Well, let's. I'll use an example within my own family because um, my my sister, one of my sisters, believes in uh, Reiki, which is itself a pseudoscience. Oh God! And the way that I came to know this was uh, 
it was a kind of unusual event. I, I remember I was at my uh, sister Carolyn's house and she was moving. So we were helping her move. And uh, I guess I didn't drink enough liquids. Lesson, folks, when you move, drink plenty of liquids. So I started having a headache, unsurprisingly, because I'm dehydrated. So I, I'm, I'm, I go to my older sister and I'm like, I feel I got a headache. I don't want to do anything. She's like, well, let me give you a massage. Who's going to say no to a massage, right? So she says, okay, let's go to Carolyn's room. So I lie down. She's like, close your eyes. So I close my eyes and I'm just resting. I'm just, eyes closed, just sitting there waiting for something to fucking happen. I wait maybe two or three minutes being like, what the fuck is happening? Did she go to the bathroom or <laughs> she forget about me? And I wake up and what do I see? I see a hand in front of my face, like about an inch away, just moving. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, I'm transferring energy to you. And I'm like, this is over. Whatever this is, this is, we're done. I have a headache and now I have a worse headache because of the fucking nonsense that just happened around me. This was 2003 is when I really found this out. And I have been trying my hardest to try to make her see reason because the thing about my sister Melissa is that she is she's a, a woman of science, okay? She graduated uh, with a master's in engineering. She had to take a bunch of science classes to do this, so, all right? It's environmental engineering. She had to understand lots of science. She had to do it. So whenever I'm having these conversations with her, I'm like, how can you possibly square this with your understanding of how shit works? Like, why do you believe in this? And I think that in her case... It gives her a sense, and, and you could probably understand why this would be important. It gives her a sense of control in a world that is very much outside of your own control and influence. You know, the, the tides roll in and out, say, to quote Bill O'Reilly, never a miscommunication, and it doesn't matter if you just, you're in the ocean trying to kick the water back. It's just going to go. These, these universal forces are way more fucking powerful than you. You are just an ant sitting on a ball of rock, Orbiting around a fucking nuclear reactor. It's a scary prospect. And I can understand why somebody would just decide why they would decide to believe in something that is irrational and dumb. But now you, as a person who has decided to say no to rational and dumb beliefs, are stuck in a weird situation. You're like, I care about these people. I don't want to fucking ruin their day. But at the same time, enough is enough. This belief is dumb. And beyond it being dumb, like one of the things that I thought was so admirable was... There were, um, was this seven or maybe she was nine-year-old girl that definitively disproved Reiki. She was actually the youngest person to ever be published in a scientific journal. The way that she disproved Reiki was very simple. Okay, she did this in her science fair. She had a box that people would put their hand into. Okay, she would flip a coin like they couldn't see the other side of the box because it had a, a a curtain. She'd flip a coin to determine randomly whether or not she should put her hand out or not, and the people had to detect whether or not they could feel the energy of her hand, right? These are Reiki professionals. These are people who could supposedly tell, and their chances were no better than uh, than the hour, than, than sort of <laughs> luck. She publishes this at nine years old. She disproves definitive, like Reiki definitively. There's like book the, the book is closed on this shit. Done. A nine year old was able to do it, <laughs> and I'm like. This is the same kind of science fair that I could have seen my sister at, doing the same thing. I'm like, why is there one area of your life that you've decided not to apply 
skeptical thinking. And I'm in a weird position. I mean, to go back to the whole, should I be intolerant? I mean, this is a family member that I love. How am I supposed to handle that? Because we avoid this conversation. She she's even afraid of reading my book because she thinks I'm going to trash it, which of course I will. <laughs> of course I will trash it. I'll probably say most of the things that I said now. I will trash this dumbass belief. It's dumb. It is stupid. It is insulting to my family honor. I hate it. But what am I supposed to do? Mm, yes, very true. Intolerance and and here's the here's my other question. How can you because I can't do this. How can you express anger and disappointment? in the beliefs of others without hurting their feelings. Is that even possible? How do I tell somebody like you're so fundamentally wrong about your vision of how the universe works that I feel like slapping you in the face, but I'm not going to do it. How do I say that nicely? Well, let's let's start with not that way. Can we never do it that way? That sounds not good at all. Okay, that well, sounds... sometimes hurting someone's feeling is worse than a slap in the face. You know this. Uh, yeah, I I'll know. get slapped in the face. I almost shit a tear. You called me a piece of shit. You might get a little fucking uh, waterworks out of me. I think it depends on who calls you a piece of shit. Yeah, it really does. You <laughs> water off a duck's back most of the time. Okay, so here's here's the thing that the way I see it. This is how I deal with it because in my family, my family has a somewhat history gypsiness happening. Right. Stuff, right. I think you warned me about that. Yeah. Be like nice to the gypsies. Be nice to the gypsies. <laughs> So, um... Give me your theories, Gypsy. Yeah, there's a lot of tarot, there's a lot of all this stuff. And when my great-grandmother passed away, she was the matriarch of our family, right? Right. And our family's very, you know, the women hold the spiritual power and blah, blah, blah. And, and they said that you were the next yes, one? Yes, yes. Yeah, of and course they did. Can we lay hands on you and absorb your power? Okay. Now, in that situation, because my family was mourning, I decided to say nothing. But since then... The way I deal with it is I just say, you know, everybody's always known I'm an atheist. I, I decided to come out of the of the closet and just go, guys, I'm I'm a very staunch non-believer. Um, I don't want to hear it. And that's and that's basically all I've said is you can believe whatever crazy, stupid, ridiculous shit you believe. I'll believe whatever crazy, stupid, ridiculous shit I believe. And unless you ask me a question about my belief. Let's not talk about it, because I love you, and we're family, and I want to enjoy your company, but if you start talking about spirits and the chosen one and the family lineage of blood power, I will leave the room and hate you a little. All right, but didn't you say that you argue with the people that you respect? Yes, <laughs> but sometimes... But sometimes, yeah, here's the but. Let's, let's hear the but. Sometimes it's best. It, it's a different kind of respect, right? I the, ah, now now I we have, have the answer. Shut up. <laughs> I have uh, I have respect for my elders in that situation. They're my family, but you don't necessarily respect their beliefs. I don't respect their beliefs. No. I'm not going to argue with them because I don't expect I don't respect them as intellectual equals. Is that the rude way to say it? Yes, it is. <sighs> yes, it is. But here's the deal. Here's the Damn deal it. when it comes to that phrase, right? Because to some degree. Your original statement is still true. You don't respect them intellectually. So their views about the universe. I know my family never watched, listens to this. Their show. views about the universe cannot be, be influenced. In so much trouble. Okay. Their views about the universe can't influence your views because, as far as you understand it, they are inferior. They're yes. based on uh, just superstition and nonsense. 
also, they don't have the same kind of access to information that I do, right? Well, I think that's fair. I mean, what I was going to say after is you may not respect someone's intelligence, but uh, in, for me, intelligence is something that can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always I've had debates with people, uh, you know, sort of countless times about this because there's a lot of folks that are kind of deterministic, you know, like biological determinism is their fucking word of the day, where they say, you know, you're either born smart or you're not smart, and that's it, and you're either dumb or you're intelligent. And I always thought to myself, well, it's like saying you're either athletic or you're a couch potato. And I can I can name you countless couch potatoes that have become athletes and plenty of athletes that have become couch potatoes. Uh, I mean, sorry, couch potatoes. So there's no real um, – for me, intellectualism is like being in shape. It's something that sort of uh, – for, for people who have been doing it for a long time, it's much easier for you to get into the habit of being in shape. Some people may be in terrible shape, but given enough passion and given enough hard work can become, uh, you know, sort of like uh, healthy in that sense. And there are those – yeah, and, and you'll, you'll switch back and forth depending on what it is you do. I mean there may be some years where you're feeling a little bit dull because your entire life is – taken over by one thing that's all you know and everything else about the world you feel relatively stupid about it can happen in general though i mean we're 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 fortunate enough that i think we retain enough that it's it's difficult to start degrading too too bad if you've done a really good job at educating yourself there's certain things you're not going to forget hopefully but think about i think we forget a lot of the time because we have such incredible access to information i mean you and i had a question a couple days ago about what well we were just thinking and then we had that question and we googled it instantly and had the answer I don't, about camels or something camels i don't remember but i mean just that level of access to information is unprecedented it's never existed before so in a way i ha- i have a lot of trouble respecting uh you know ignorance ignorance because but if, but also i understand it because this opportunity to have information for free unlimited easy to search, easy to navigate, easy to consume, that's new. So people who are in their currently, you know, later years in life who didn't have that kind of access to technology probably don't know how to get the answers, don't know how to ask the right questions. It's not that they're stupid. It's just that they haven't had the same opportunities that I've had. But yes, I don't particularly, I don't think that Having a debate with them, with them would afford either of us what we're looking for because I don't feel like they have the intellectual capacity to really understand the arguments that would fundamentally change their belief. Well, the, the problem is most of the time when you're having a discussion with someone, you, you have to – remember what I said before where, where, I, where I criticized agnostics. I say if your position is one of agnosticism – you have to state your unstated assumptions, and if you're an agnostic, you actually have more assumptions than if you're an atheist. Um, you, and part of that assumption, for instance, is to say that the probability or the, the existence or non-existence of God is uh, essentially even. It's an equal. Uh, it, it, they're, they're both both sides are are, are are sort of equal in their truth. I don't truth believe value. that at all. I think there. Are, I run into a ton of agnostic atheists who who believe that uh, you know I. I decide to live my life according to the idea that there is no God because it seems less likely. Right. But I do subscribe to the idea that it's not completely provable or disprovable. So in order to be scientific, I will consider myself an agnostic. There are people who are agnostic who pick sides. Okay. 
now you're sort of like going into I'm talking about the raw agnostics, the people who say, well, you can't know or you can't think, prove or disprove. I don't think those people to, exist. Sweetie. Oh I my don't goodness! Think they exist. What are you talking about? I've had countless conversations with these people. Do you know how many folks they don't have that a listen to the show? They used to be exactly like that. It, it, even my sister used to be like that. And in truth, the reason why they were that level, that that degree of uh, of agnostics, why they were sort of like, they would probably describe themselves as perfectly agnostic. <laughs> all right. The reason they are is it's because they don't want to pick a side. Because at least they can get along. They can. Because uh, my sister at the time had a very religious husband. She picked agnosticism because it was the better position to pick to avoid conflict. Mm. This is the main reason why most agnostics are agnostics. Let me assure you. The, otherwise, it would be agnostic atheists, and you might as well just declare yourself an atheist. Because even though you can say, well, the God is neither provable nor disprovable. Like, first of all, A, which God are you talking about? Are you talking about the deist God that started the universe and all that other shit? Okay, sure, maybe I can't prove it. Is that really a God? No! When we talk about God, we talk about a personal deity that's around doing shit, miracles, that kind of stuff. That is the more useful definition. That's the more real one. If you're going to start saying, I'm agnostic about the Spinoza's God, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're not an agnostic, okay? You are an atheist who is has agnostic tendencies that is it you have you are agnostic towards ideas that are metaphysical okay but let me let me lay down some fucking truth right at you here for the most part god is not metaphysical he has a direct influence on this world that god you deny what does that make you my opinion makes you an atheist but this is a tangent here what i was going to say Okay, what I was going to say was that... Look how serious you got there. I was a little afraid for us. You better be afraid. You guys can't see this, but his eyes got so big in his head. Just huge. Shut up. Terrifying. Shut up. Anyways, what I was trying to say is that the problem that you have with uh, certain people trying trying to communicate with them your intolerance of their ideas. Let's say they have some pseudoscience that they believe in strongly or whatever. The problem that you have... Is that, okay, well, you said it yourself, I don't respect their intelligence. They might not, you were saying before, well, the access, access to information is available. They could educate themselves. I think the bigger problem, the reason why most people don't educate your, themselves, is actually because of pride. This is a weird thing, but I've noticed that one of the hardest things to do is, you know, teach an old dog new tricks. And it's not because the old dog doesn't have the same mental capacities as everybody else. It's because they experience more frustration from being really, really bad at something. You look at kids, right? They're not afraid to fail. They'll just pick up something, and if they suck at it, they don't care. They're just going to keep doing it. But as you get older, you have a kind of expectation of yourself. You're like, I should be better at this. I should know this. I feel indignified not knowing even the most basic questions. Therefore, I don't want to ask them because I feel embarrassed by my lack of knowledge. This is the real problem, in my opinion. If you want to, if you want to get smarter, think like a kid. How would you react if the information was just available to you now and you had no experience with it? You would, you would probably take a very different approach than anger. You would be curious. You'd be excited. This is something new that I can learn. There's a whole bunch of fucking shit that is unknown or, you know, I don't even know what the question is, let alone the answers. But instead, because we, you know, we, we feel to some degree that we have a kind of dignity and, and a status that we don't want to lose, not knowing something puts you in a situation where you look like you have less status. Well, let's also have some respect for the nature of the human mind and what it is to develop in a certain belief system. So, you know, my aunts who believe in the tarot and all the crazy crap that exists in my family, um, 
they had questions when they were growing up. There wasn't a lot of access to critical thinking and answers. The answers they were given were, you know, tarot and Ouija. Were terrible. Were terrible. <laughs> and because of the nature of, of human understanding, because of the confirmation bias over and over and over again over years, it's going to be really difficult for them. I mean, I don't think you have a, a, a lot of understanding of what it's like to really believe something. You believe what you believe partially because it's been confirmed for you over and over again. And yeah, okay, let's be honest. If there's proof tomorrow that there was a God, it would be a little bit difficult to believe in it. But adjustment. Yeah, it'd be a difficult adjustment. Well, I'd be out of a job. (laughs) It'd be a difficult adjustment. We, As good scientists, we have to go, okay, fine. But, I mean, it'd be a difficult adjustment. And in the same way, there is this difficult adjustment in people who have lived their entire lives believing in this silly thought. And when you decide, if you decide not to believe in it, you have to face up to having believed in it, which That's is the very biggest shameful. part. Yeah, it's, it, it's not just shame, it's embarrassing. But also, but the, embarrassing. The, the level of confirmation bias of an entire lifetime of believing in tarot and, and having all these memories of how it worked for you because we remember the hits and we forget the misses, that, that's hard. It is hard to overcome what we consider information or fact in terms of our personal lives. But let me ask you this question. As hard as it would be to, to suddenly live in a world where there was proof of God, would you feel silly or foolish at having disbelieved? I wouldn't. I would not feel silly. I think the real problem is that most people actually know how dumb their beliefs are. They <laughs> really don't want to be proven wrong. They don't want to admit that some of the thoughts they had were just genuinely foolish. Mm. I agree. I felt I felt that way when I believed in conspiracy theories and ghosts and that kind of thing because you know as much as remember that Phil Plate um, discussion where he's like oh well don't be a jerk don't be in people's faces and that kind of stuff when it comes to their non-belief I'm like when you are when you mention it trust me it makes an impact someone knows out there that their belief is ludicrous that it can't stand up to scrutiny. We're not as unwise as we appear to be. I mean, even children have legitimate questions about belief that are often just that you just sort of like shoo away. I mean, think about your own skepticism of a very important religion, which is uh, Santa, the, 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 the whole belief in Christmas and, and everything surrounding it. Kids come up with the most ingenious questions. I mean, as an adult, I imagine the difficulty in trying to keep the charade going once kids start getting a little wise. You have to train that skepticism out of them. Be like, no, it just happens because of magic. What's magic? <laughs> shut the fuck up. That's what it is. <laughs> Do you still want presents? Yeah, you better shut your mouth and just believe in it or else you're going to go to hell. Oh, so, yeah. So does this mean you're no longer on the Santa's a good thing bandwagon? No, no, no. I'm still doing the whole Santa God thing. damn it. I'm, 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 I'm putting my foot down. Santa is a fantastic idea. I love it. You just said the love sentence, it. train the skepticism out of them. How is How can you say well, that? You can't, you can't do that with Santa uh, because ultimately I the truth of the matter so is much. that Santa eventually everyone grows out of. That's what's so great about it. There's no one that still believes in Santa as an adult. That's why it's so perfect. It's a religion for children. It is to teach us the important lessons that adults are full of shit, and they will constantly lie to you so that you continue to believe in the thing that is serviceable to them. What is serviceable about the idea of Santa? To keep kids in line. That's what it is. It's the fucking, it's Big Brother, except for he's got a beard. And he goes, ho, 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 but it's Big Brother nevertheless. He knows where uh, what you've been doing 
He, he even knows when you're awake and when I you're sleeping. How creepy is that? I do not believe in tricking huh? children into being You are skeptical. such a softie. No, so, I'm not You're not softie. even dealing with regular human beings. They don't even have fully developed brains. I say... Go you know nuts. what? You know what? I say try some shit. That's what I say. <laughs> you go teach for a few years and then see if you say that. Those kids are way smarter than you think they are. Okay? They're way further further along in their developmental and I process would reward, than people. I would think. reward their skepticism with a better present than what they would have gotten under the ludicrous belief of Santa. But it matter. has to be an individual decision. Look, there is plenty uh, of things. How do you how do you instill in someone the belief or the idea? That you need to be skeptical about things that even people in authority tell you are true. I think. I think this is an important thing, especially, especially when the lie is being perpetuated by people that you love and respect. I think. Very important. In a few years, we're gonna play yeah. these back for you, and you're gonna feel about these like you did about believing in ghosts. Never. That's what I think. Never. All right, <laughs> let's move on because we're so tangenty. The next thing we're gonna be talking about, South Dakota, is. A kind of shitty, scary place if you're trying to have an abortion. Uh, and, uh, and I'll, I'll explain to you what part of the reason is. There's a, there's a law being proposed. And what the law would do is it would change the language of what qualifies as a justifiable homicide. And some of the language, when you interpret it in a particular way, um, seems to kind of give the green light for individuals that are pro-life, let's say, and want to eliminate abortion providers. And I'll read to you the specific um, law in question that's being proposed. It says that homicide is justifiable if committed by any person while resisting any attempt to murder such person or to harm the unborn child of such person in a matter and a degree likely to result in the death of the unborn child. Okay, another mm. section of it says... That homicide is justifiable if committed by any person in the in the lawful defense of such person, or his or her husband, wife, parent, child, master, mistress, or servant. I don't even understand what that part means. Uh, or the jargon. unborn child of such enumerated person. So, okay. Now it doesn't necessarily say that if you kill a doctor who's performing a legal operation that might not necessarily qualify with the description they have. So it's not it's not a direct, hey, you can go and kill abortion doctors uh, adjustment to the law. But let's recall that a couple of years ago, South Dakota, tried to, South Dakota tried to do a referendum on whether or not abortion should be legal or illegal. Ugh. And they lost by about a 12% margin, I believe. So most of the citizens were wise enough to decide um, you can't, Number one, a state that tries to make a law um, that's unconstitutional, guess what? Constitution wins every time. So you can just make your fucking crazy laws and it doesn't really matter because someone will challenge the constitutionality of it and win. But it doesn't stop some states from actually deciding to have some crazy fucking laws. And sometimes, say in the case of uh, Proposition 8 in California, where the constitutionality of allowing... Uh, or disallowing certain individuals to marry should be questioned and are being questioned, uh, it's not always a quick process because, well, the lawmakers are human. <laughs> but in this sense, you can understand that if you were uh, against abortion and you read this law, you could see how it, it, it's, it's, it changes the perception of what justifiable homicide is quite clearly. Its intent... It does not necessarily match the kind of um, what's what I'm looking for, the the how it's read, how it's understood by people. So if you are a pro-lifer and you read this, 
I think you could say or put in your brain the idea that you have a case if you kill someone and be like, well, according to this statute, I was protecting an unborn child from harm. That's what's so scary about this. Now, what's equally scary about South Dakota, if you thought this was bad enough, consider that another proposed law, all right, would make it so that women, women who are trying to undergo uh, a, a, an abortion would have to first get counseling from something called the Crisis Pregnancy Center. The Crisis Pregnancy Centers are run mostly by anti-abortion Christian groups. It's not a government entity. Okay, This is an anti-abortion group that is basically trying to write themselves in the legislature so that whenever somebody wants to have an abortion, they have to go through their counseling. And what are they going to say at their counseling? They're going to fill these women with these crazy ideas. Of, you're being sinful. You're living in, you know, you're, you're a bad human being. You need to have this baby. You're committing murder. And they also did the study and they found that 87% of most of these kind of clinics give incorrect information about birth control and about the dangers of abortion. So they're liars. They're <laughs> fucking liars. They want to make a proposed law that would force you to go to these liars before you got an abortion. And what already exists in South Dakota is if you want to have an abortion, you have to have a sonogram and the doctor has to read to you a statement about how you're terminating life. It says, uh, let, let me see if I can find that statement. What? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the statement is basically saying that you are, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's sort of like you are terminating something that's alive. The doctor has to read the statement even before he does it. Uh. How unpleasant is this whole fucking process. I mean, you might as well make them walk through fucking fire, except for that is safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least then they could freely have the abortion afterwards. So walk, and actually walking on fire is not that difficult. And, well, that's what I was implying. <laughs> and it's funny because I was reading a couple of stories of women who've had to go through this process, and they've just, they, they've, uh, they've written about how it's confusing. I mean, you are in a very emo emotionally vulnerable uh, time. Um, you know, because it, it depends on your situation, right? And depends on the kind of person that you are. Some people, I mean, they've constantly said, be like, it's no big deal. Who gives a shit? And other people are like, this is a big deal. Whatever. I can't go over the ones that say it's a big deal and say, fuck off. You don't have that. You don't have that. Uh, I don't have the gravitas to do it. I don't have the balls to tell them to fuck off and stop being such pussies. It's a very delicate issue. Well, I think if you actually want to have a baby, then it could be a big deal. You know, if if you wanted to have the baby and you're at that point in your life where you were contemplating it and, you know, you know, it was a decision you made with your partner or it's just you're not in the right situation, then it can be really traumatic, I suppose, because what you're doing is saying no to a life that you're interested in having. So maybe the abortion part of it is not so traumatic as it is the part of it where you're deciding not to be a parent and you are saying no to a very desirable life that you have made in your brain in to be some fantasy land that is not easy now there's lots of parents that like the show they don't all think hey, that it's a fantasy okay. land okay i love kids i really enjoy teaching Great job. You just don't want but, to come to them out of your vagina. No, no, no but this is what I'm going to say. <laughs> You're wrong, sweetie. There are no parents who believe that parenting was exactly the fantasy they thought okay, it would no, be before they true, had a child. True, that's true. I have, ta I have sat through enough parent-teacher interviews. They are just as upset about the lie that was propagated by our society of what it is to breed 
you know, oh, I thought they were going to bring me flowers and cuddle with me. And it's, yes, that happens, but mostly it's diapers and yelling. That's mostly what it is. And stepping on Legos. That's what it is. Well, the problem here is you're bringing sentient beings uh, into existence. And essentially, these sentient beings lack certain parts of their brains to give them uh, knowledge of empathy, kindness. Uh, these are lacking. And they only develop much later on. And by that time, you're just too exhausted to give a shit. So, yeah, there are some lies. I will admit that at least. But all I'm saying, okay, is that your description was a bit harsh. I promise you, I offended <laughs> no one. All I said was that... You offended all! All I said is that people who don't have children probably have a big fantasy of what it's going to be like. That is somehow my, not My true. fantasy is that they will be my laborers, and I will experiment on them, I'm violently actually, at times. I kind of believe that to be true. No, no. Not violently, but I do believe you'd be like, I wonder what happens if I would do this to the child. Hmm. I think you'd be a little experimenty. Not in a bad way. My children would be geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, let's move on to the last topic. Um, the, 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 I guess this, this one's not really a long, I don't know if we'll have a long conversation about it, but every time someone in the U.S. government says something just, just so ludicrously stupid, I feel the need to mention it because I, I want to suddenly remind Americans who make up the majority of listeners who you're electing, okay? Let's take Mike Beard as a perfect example. What a silly name, but Mike Beard wants to resume, uh, coal mining in Minnesota, uh, and uh, resume it because they had shut it down, essentially, because it was causing all kinds of problems with their waterways and, and the normal things you would expect from a very polluting mine. Well, he had a very concise explanation as why he thinks that's not a problem. And I'm oh, read oh I would love to hear this. I will read it to Quite you. Quite excited. He says, God is not capricious. He's given us a creation that is dynamically stable. We are not going to run out of, we are not going to run out of anything. It is the height of hubris to think that we could destroy the earth. Even nuclear devastation uh, shouldn't cast doubt on the idea that the earth can be repaired. He finishes, how did Hiroshima and Nagasaki work out? We destroyed that, but here we are 60 years later, and they are tremendously active and livable cities. Yes, it was pretty horrible, but can we recover? Of course we can. And you know what it reminded me of? I don't of know. This, that this seems quote? perfectly logical to me in every way. I think what this quote reminds me of is reminds me of a, uh, a dialogue by George Carlin where he says that we're not here to save the earth because the earth is not a thing that you can save. Um, you are mostly a kind of parasite on it. Uh, you could kill yourself even with all the nuclear weapons on this earth just trained at, these, uh, at ourselves and blown up and essentially it would make the outside of the earth into a fucking molten hellhole that most life would uh, just be obliterated by. The thing about life is it doesn't just exist on the surface. Most of the life that we have is actually underground. Think of the earth as a kind of sponge, if you will, of very primitive life. We would probably eliminate almost all forms of multicellular life, but the earth itself would be fine. You haven't destroyed the earth. You just destroyed the organic life that exists on the surface. Congratulations, humankind. That is the kind of power that you possess. And why do you possess this? Well, you're, you're saying examples like, oh, Nagasaki, uh, Nagasaki and, and Hiroshima. And you're like, well, the bombs that we dropped on those things were fission bombs. We don't have fission bombs anymore. We've developed fusion weapons. 
that are sig- substantially more powerful than that, like many orders more powerful. I think the most, uh, I think that the, the, the bomb on Hiroshima was one megaton. The biggest bomb we ever dropped is a hundred megaton and we blew that up in the atmosphere. That was a good idea, but we did that anyway. <laughs> Let's blow it up. That was the largest one that we just detonated at that time. I think that was the 1980s, right before we stopped. We could even build, there are probably built ones that are even more powerful than that. And there are thousands of them, thousands of these things. Yes, it is easy for us to destroy ourselves. We found that out. We actually have the power to destroy life on Earth. Congratulations. We used this leveraging point to try to have peace with another country. Utter madness. And we're only now realizing that, oh, maybe that wasn't the best strategy. <laughs> we're left with thousands of nuclear warheads that didn't do shit and that would have annihilated everybody in an instant. Somehow we felt that that was the right thing to do. We still have them around, though, by the way. They're just pointed all over randomly, mostly at China now. <laughs> and I'm sure that China is more than happy to return the missile pointing at them. Be like, well, don't you try nothing, bitch. Jacob. Why would we try something? That's foolishness. Jacob, you're scared. Am I scaring you? Yeah. Well, I don't want to scare you because the whole thing is the earth will continue to live. Awesome. That's even great. though you might not be on it. That well, you're been... going to die one day. Yeah, but I don't want to die in fiery terror hellstorms of human stupidity. That's just sad. Yeah. You know what? Whenever they have this situation where human beings are like trying to survive in a post-apocalyptic hell, the reason I would find it very difficult for me to try to live on as a survivor is the realization that we had done this to ourselves and be like, why should we continue? We're obviously shitty. <laughs> I say no. Let some other f- life form evolve and, and, and grow into a kind of consciousness. Maybe they'll do a better job. Yeah, maybe. Let's just say this. This is a test that we should not fail. Okay? If guys like this Mike Beard guy can't realize that there's no cosmic janitor that's there to make sure that the earth stays clean and nice for us, but rather that's our fucking job, maybe then we can pass that test. But so far, everybody that's really deeply religious is failing it miserably. I'm pointing the fucking finger right at them being like, oh, you guys think that, oh, Jesus put oil on earth for us to enjoy. You're an idiot. You're a fucking retard, and your opinions are not wanted. They're not merited. They're based on nothing. If you have something interesting to say, you should back it up. Not just saying, well, God's not capricious. He's going to give us everything we need. What is the difference between you and some pseudoscientist dickhole that's trying to tell you that a, that, that a statistically immeasurable amount of liquid is going to heal you. It's the same bullshit. It's the same bullshit. And we can't tolerate anymore. We can't tolerate guys like Mike Beard who make these statements. They're obviously false. Let's not be tolerable of them. Right? We can agree? Okay. We can, we can be delicately intolerable. We can be nice about it. But I I, I can't but be. That's not my job. I'm not going to be the nice one about it. Everybody listens to me so that they can listen to the rage. I bring you the rage. I bring you the calm, soothing effect of post-raging. <laughs> you know, when you go when you go home from your trip or you, whatever you go, and you'd be like, ah, I feel satisfied. That's because I gave you the post-rage fucking jitters or whatever. Yeah, I did that for you, baby. <laughs> right on. Okay, before we leave, I'd like to remind everyone that there is a contest going on right now. For best atheist podcast on about.com. I have a link for it on my site. Guys, I'm this, I'm in second place and I am trailing behind. I'm lagging behind atheist experience. If you think that this show is the best atheist podcast and you don't vote for it, 
What is wrong with you? We need you to vote. If you, if you are frustrated because in your district or wherever you live, old people vote in droves and get to decide your future, yeah, if you're frustrated by that, remember that you were powerless because you didn't vote. <laughs> Have some power. Vote for me, please. Like I said, my birthday's coming up. I want this. I want this Best Atheist Podcast, and I need you guys to do it. I need you to go to your computer. I mean, if you're in your car and you're listening to this, pause it now. Listen to the rest when you get home. I want you to go to the site and vote for me, please. This would be huge for us. This would be the best Christmas present I've ever received. Seriously. Slash birthday present. Uh, I'm sorry. It would be the best <laughs> birthday present. I was just thinking about Jake Miss. That's oh, all. yeah. <laughs> Let me be selfish about my birthday. I love it. Oh, and on a side note, I, I think that most of you may remember that Andy Scott, who had this broke-ass scholarship that I mentioned a couple of days ago, um, there was a bit of a mistake. One of the winners actually got impatient and decided to buy membership. So there's still one, posi one uh, position available for the free membership. It's not me who decides. So if you want it, go on the site on this podcast. Tell Andy that you want the free membership. And bam, baby. You're going to have free membership for a whole year. So one more spot. Make your case compelling because <laughs> that apparently makes a difference. And vote. And you better fucking vote because I'll tell Andy that if he gives it to anybody that didn't vote for me, they're not just, they're not getting it. I'm putting my foot down here. How are you going to even track that? Shut up. That's oh, how. Okay. Well, are they going to lie? Is somebody going to say, I want membership and I, and I, and I voted and they didn't yeah. actually vote? That would be terrible. Okay, I would we'll expect that, that from a Christian, I but I certainly wouldn't expect that from him. I do that all the it time. It would take three seconds. Honestly, there's a link on the very site that you would go to. When you listen to this podcast, if you go to it and you, if you were to leave a comment, you would see the link. Take you three seconds. If you lie about that, you're a scumbag. I don't even want you as a member. Actually, a scumbag. It, one thing I should say, because this is the thing that usually stops me from voting on stuff, you don't have to sign up for anything on about.com. No, you, you just don't. go in and click vote. It does take two seconds. You don't have to create a membership. Nope. You don't have to go through any, you don't have to put in like secret codes. You just go in, push, I like this one. That's it. That's the end. That so it's it. very simple. Yeah. And uh, like I said before, we need your involvement because if we don't, if I can't, uh, just rally the troops to vote, we will lose. So if we lose, because we can win, if, if the troops basically go for it and be like, fuck yeah, we're going to vote, we can win this thing. I guess we're going to determine how good I am at rallying the troops, huh? Or how good the troops are. That's true, but some say that the troops are only as good as the troop leader. No? No. I don't want to put that pressure on me. It's up to you, <laughs> not up to me. <laughs> okay. All right, with that, my name is Jacob Forte. And I'm Chris Hendricks. Have a good atheist day, everybody.